0: And it's a Thursday. You know what that means on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. It's time. For Riled Up on the Cowboys with myself, Roy White, and my man, Tom Ryle. And we got some news to talk about today, Tom. How exciting, finally, as our podcast gets released every Thursday on the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network, of course, powered by SB Nation. And thank you to the BTB team for tuning in, those of you out there that are diehards that can't get enough of this Cowboys content. We will continue to bring it to you. And guess what? We already got write-ups on the newest Cowboy signees, starting with safety Jaron Curse. And this one, I have to admit, Tom, was a little bit of a surprise considering the three names that they brought in, right? Uh, Demonte Hmm. KZ, one former member of the Atlanta Falcons, played under Dan Quinn and was drafted by Dan Quinn, uh, spent... Two seasons kind of battling injuries in 2018 and 2019, but bounced back last season to play 15 games. He was one of the names that was getting a lot of publicity. In addition to that, the Cowboys also hosted safety Malik Hooker, formerly of the Indianapolis Colts, who made a little bit of a stir on Twitter when he just tweeted out a couple of smiling emojis. And I think what he found in doing that was the power of Cowboys Nation on social media. I think even he was surprised by the reaction he got there. But <laughs> then through all that noise, Tom, in, you know, seven or eight o'clock at night, the Cowboys announced that they had actually agreed to sign who I think was probably the least the
1: least known of the three in J. Ron Curse. Yeah, and let me give you a little bit of a take on that because I think you're actually looking at two different things that were being addressed here. Um, and I love the thing that somebody – brought up, uh, I don't remember quite where it came, came well, who it came from on Twitter, but they said, Curse is basically a backup for what they want Keanu Neal to do, to do, which we'll mention a little bit later, uh, and that is, he's got the potential to be that hybrid safety, weak side linebacker type, and so he might actually have been brought on to give them depth there, as well as be a... Big special teams contributor. So I don't think they were looking at him as the uh, a possible answer for the free safety questions. That's where KZ and Hooker are the focus, I think, going on right now. And late word out is that they actually are working on something with KZ right now. Um, and another part of it uh, in addition to the fact that you're looking at two guys who could be free safety and another guy who's would as a safety be playing strong safety, pretty much uh, both hooker and KZ are coming off of injury problems. Curse wasn't. So first they had to get all the physicals taken care of and figure out if these guys could really go. It does look like they've determined that they are, they are willing to take a shot with KZ, but he's winding his way up to Detroit to uh, sit down with the Detroit lions, because he apparently didn't have something on the table that he and his agent wanted to take before he left. So now in the whole gaming of it all, are the Cowboys waiting to see what he does with Malik Hooker as their backup position, their fallback, you know? So I think those might all kind of interconnect, but uh, you know, The fact that they signed Curse does not mean at all that they were out, uh, that they're out on both the other two, because most people figured it was going to be at least two of the three getting signed. And there's still an outside chance they could try to go triple dip, but I don't know that that's going to take place.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure Cowboys fans would be all thrilled with that either, because, you know, I get bringing in veterans and depth. That's what these players seem to be addressing. But we've played this game before when it comes to the Cowboys and it comes to their reliance on players on minimal one-year deals who they expect to make an impact, and some of them don't even make it out of camp. Uh, I can think of um, Abram Elam. Uh, I can think of Nolan Carroll. I can think of – it seems like several players who they have signed at various points uh-huh. on one-year deals, a couple million dollars, and you know what? They find out they got nothing. And that is where I think a lot of Cowboys fans get frustrated in thinking, well, why don't you just put your eggs in a singular basket as opposed to trying to find these darts all over the place and hoping that one of them turns into the to your answer as opposed to maybe just finding a guy that can – flat out be your answer and have make no bones about it
1: well who was the answer out there at safety this year
0: that's a fair question now i felt like there were a number of them right that uh, that were better known than than j ron uh that were better known or or had a better pedigree than kz um and really i mean malik Hooker's a nice name former all-american at ohio state but He's had his struggles in Indianapolis as well. So I, I suppose your question is a valid one. Was there an over-the-top answer at the position this offseason? Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, but hopefully, I, in, in trying to fill out that position completely, I almost hope they don't do that in free agency entirely and
1: leave room,
0: leave space for an impact player to be gotten potentially
1: in the draft. Yeah, and I will say that last year, I think they really went too far in the veteran thing and the fact that they got, you know, they signed Ha Ha Clinton Dix, who never even made it out of camp. Um, he was over the hill, Another way over one. the hill. Don Terry Poe, way over the hill, and they cut Jefferson him halfway Griffin through they the season. Over the hill. Uh, we never found out with Gerald McCoy, but, you know, he was in his 30s. At least these guys they're looking at on their for you know, like second contract type stuff for the most part. You know, we're talking guys that are more 20s that hopefully have a little more tr- tread left on the tire. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe they've gotten a little wiser in how they're approaching it, but you know, it remains to be seen. Um, I'm I guess I'm, I'm mildly encouraged that the people they're going at look like they would at least fit in. Um, and I, I have to think that uh, Dan Quinn has, is having some impact because they've actually signed three guys with safety experience already, even though they're looking at maybe using Neal in a different role but it's still going to incorporate some safety elements. So at least they're looking at doing something with the position that we have barely seen them even think about in the past. So, you know, maybe that's just being, being overly optimistic, but that's kind of how I see it.
0: Well, I think Cowboys fans are taking it, you know, with a grain of salt. Uh, you look mm-hmm. at our poll on bloggingtheboys.com. And of course we encourage you to check out our write up on uh Jayon Brown will have plenty of more information when it comes to the Cowboys making signings. We're working 24-7. So if that happens at 7 p.m., we'll have a story for you at 7.05. And uh, the fans have <laughs> voted. Tom, what letter grade do you think they gave the overwhelming majority? Uh, what letter grade do you think they gave the J. Ron Curse signing? A, B, C, D, or F?
1: Oh, the overwhelming majority? Uh, given that i think a lot of people were are thinking well we need a starter probably a c or a d you are correct sir uh 47%
0: in fact of the voting public there on com did grade the deal a c so again nothing to get too excited about but a depth piece as you mentioned where they're kind of mm-hmm. solidifying that position and and hopefully you know, giving themselves some options in that regard. Yeah, I do want to –
1: go ahead. He's not a signing to get excited about. It's just I can see how he kind of fits in. If if I've got any idea of what they may be trying to do, uh, which is a questionable assumption under any situation, but I think he's just a a basic – journeyman guy that they want to come in he's gonna have a lot of uh special team snaps and i think he's strictly depth and you don't get excited about strictly depth people
0: no you don't and you know in truth i might save that question for later in the pod which is which of the Cowboys signings does have you excited up to this point well, i got a couple of them but before we do that, let's kind of give the folks a recap because there were several players that were officially signed earlier this week, including a few that were signed after you and I had posted our podcast from a week ago. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, take it away because you are excellent in this regard. Okay.
1: Um, I've already mentioned Keanu Neal, who was uh, signed – I can't remember what it was – Friday evening or or Saturday morning, but uh, he did decide on the Cowboys. I can't remember who else he was looking at, but there was another team that was in the mix there. Uh, My, thought it was the Jets. So, okay, yeah, I can see the logic there Uh, because the Jets are an absolute mess. Uh, So they they signed him. Um, And then uh, Thursday they signed three defensive linemen, Uh, two of them defensive tackles, uh, Carlos Watkins, and brent urban and they signed a defensive end or or situational pass rusher perhaps in terrell basham so those are the people that they since the last time recorded those are the ones that they have definitely added to the roster
0: and which of those you know the most i've read about any of those three Probably had to do with Brent Urban, Brent Urban rather, and uh, his ability to stop the run. That was encouraging, right? His pro football mm-hmm. focus grades had him amongst some of the best run stoppers in the league on a per play basis. However, he's not a player that's playing 70, 80% of the snaps within a game. It was more about to 40 to 50% for the Chicago yeah. Bears last season.
1: Well, let me just run through from least exciting to most exciting among those four, since we've already talked a bit about curse. Um, Least exciting for me is Carlos Watkins, because he just doesn't have much of a pedigree. Um, I don't really know what the logic there is. Uh, Apparently, he's okay against the run. So maybe that was their thinking there. Uh, The next one is Basham. And to me, there's an interesting connection made because in other free agent news, they also announced that Alden Smith would not be returning. And I have to think that there's an, a connect- connectivity there. Um, you know, Alden Smith came in and was the starter while Randy Gregory was getting back in because he had to take six weeks before he could rejoin the team after his reinstatement. And then by the end of the season, he had moved ahead of Alden Smith at right defensive end. Um, and Alden Smith's play was kind of also seen as declining a bit as the season went along. So now that you've got your starter in place in Gregory you need uh, someone to be a rotation with him to come in and give him release someone who's going to play more like 35, 40% of the snaps while Gregory takes the balance. And apparently the thinking is that Basham is going to be that backup at right defensive end. That makes a little more sense. He, I believe Smith last year had five sacks Basham had three and a half. So, We're not talking outstanding numbers. We're just talking a bit of contribution. But if you're looking at someone who's just going to be your backup, come in to make sure you've got fresh legs coming off of that side at the quarterback, then, yeah, he's he's an okay signing to me. The next one that I'm excited about is Brent Urban because he is a really good run stopper. And so many of the problems the Cowboys had last year were – tied into not being able to stop the running game. And a good chunk of that was that the defensive tackles weren't keeping the offensive linemen off of the linebackers. And uh, our you know great guy, John Oning, uh, who does film review for the Dallas Morning News, had some great clips of just how good Urban is at tying up offensive linemen and stacking them up, and then helping stop the run, that to me, I think, is a big help, and it's exactly what the Cowboys were looking for, and I think Urban is a really good acquisition in that aspect. Then the one that's got me a little bit more excited even than that is Keanu Neal, and that's because I think he's going to wind up taking snaps from Jalen Smith. Okay. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I think he is going to do some play. He's going to be doing some weak side linebacker stuff. And I think we're going to see a reduced presence from Jalen. Now understand I haven't sat in on any coaches meetings. I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody. Cause you know, I'm, I'm just a guy that's working here out in the boondocks trying to cover the Cowboys, but I think that the plan is to get him in and use him as a hybrid player and who will come in, fill in as the weak side linebacker on passing downs because I think he's much better in coverage than uh, Jalen showed showed us he was last year. So to me, that's kind of exciting because it was – addressing something even though they didn't move on from Jalen like some were hoping for that was always I think such a long shot that they were going to do that but the fact that they didn't at least they're showing showing they have a plan for maybe doing something differently than just throwing Jalen out there and having him not able to cut or moving the wrong direction or overrunning plays or whatever I think I would
0: tend to agree with you on all fronts there. Keanu Neal, the most exciting of the group, although I wouldn't say that he's got me jumping through hoops in terms of excitement. It's just a level of, okay, I think they could find themselves an upgrade at that position. The idea of getting Jalen Smith off the field perhaps makes that prospect more exciting, more enticing. And as you say that, it, I have read rumblings and whispers that that might be a consideration, but we won't know until they actually get mm-hmm. on the field, right? That is something that could, that could wind up just being a, a fan hope or even, you know, a, a media writer's hope because sometimes the Dallas media does work in a way where it becomes a bit of an echo chamber. I think, yeah. you know, Jalen's potential to be cut in a way kind of became that from the media before it was trampled over uh, this week when he and Ezekiel Elliott's contracts, you know, became guaranteed for the 2021 season. Up until that point, it felt very real and very possible that Jalen might go, even though the team never gave any indication that that was going to be the case. And in truth, you know, clearly in retrospect, in hindsight, they're really, shouldn't have even been any breath or ink wasted on the conversation because it was never a real possibility
2: support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team now more than ever educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Yeah, you, you have to try to watch, and you can't always tell, but a lot of times if you're, you know, keeping up with where stuff is coming from and who is presenting it as things they are hearing within the team, you can kind of sort out what is the uh, sort of, you know, auto-erotic part of it all, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, and uh, that – so that's that's where this this whole thing about will linebacker safety hybrid combo, which Neil is looked at as being a that kind of a player and that I think they're also someone hinted that curse is actually going to be a backup for that so that even Neil does get hurt. They don't have to abandon the concept. They've got somebody that can step right in and do the same thing. Um that stuff seems to have seems to be coming from knowledgeable people inside the star, not just guys sitting around uh, the bar after they get off work and and trading wild ideas. And that's one reason why I really hope that the uh, NFL gets its way and not the NFLPA on one thing, and that's having a full off season, having uh, OTAs and minicamp, because we'll actually get. I, let me say, we may actually get some hints out of that. Now, under Mike McCarthy, the Cowboys seem to be even more focused on secrecy uh, about things than they have been. Um, and, you know, in in the old days, the Cowboys were one of the most open uh, teams about letting people see what was going on in practice and everything. And they've recently been kind of cracking down on that. McCarthy came in and really started putting lids on stuff. He doesn't want to get, let anything get out, but hopefully there will be enough people that are able to go to the parts that are open to the media as limited as they may be that will get some word of it before June comes around or the end of uh, what would be the, the mini camp would be the end of all the activities. And I'm really hoping we get some clues as to just what's happening and what seems to be coming together, and maybe what seems to look a little rocky, so we'll be able to talk about that for several weeks before they show up at oxnard.
0: Hey, <laughs> nothing like getting excited about preseason and i have to I have to say you know having missed it a season ago, we would kind of welcome some uh some underwear Olympics in that regard, even if it's just uh running through running through walkthroughs as they did several seasons ago when we used to go back out and visit them in Oxnard. I hear they'll be doing that again this season. So that will be fun. Uh, This is riled up on the blog and the boys podcast network, Tom Ryle, myself, Roy white. And coming up after the break, we got a new cowboy in the division. We got a new quarterback in the division guys. We got to take a look at where he ranks amongst the quarterbacks, not named Dak. And unfortunately I've got some bad news. Cowboys fans, CD lamb 2.0, It ain't happening this year, and I'll tell you why after the break. Welcome back. Riled up on the Cowboys. Tom Ryle, myself, Roy White, on a Thursday on the Blogging the Boys podcast network, powered by our friends at SB Nation. And we got a new quarterback in the NFC East, Tom, one many are familiar with. He's been around for quite a bit, and uh, I think he provides some veteran leadership in a quarterback room that seemed to be devoid of it, uh, led by Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts a season ago. Well, now Super Bowl winning Joe Flacco joins the quarterback room in Philadelphia, in my opinion, solidifying the idea that Jalen Hurts will be QB1 to start the season. But I wanted to ask you, how would you rank the potential Cowboys quarterbacks in the NFC East, uh, Cowboys quarterback opponents in the NFC East, so essentially raking the quarterbacks not named Dak because I think we would all agree the Cowboys lead the way by a long margin at that position. But who's second on the list? Who's third on the list? Who would you start with?
1: That, it's, that's a hard question, to be honest. It, second on the list – I would probably have to lean towards Jalen Hurts. And that's just of all because
0: the in the NFC East, we got Daniel Jones, right? Former first-round draft pick. We've got Ryan Fitzpatrick on his 18th <laughs> team in the NFL. Every game this season for Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be a revenge game because he's played for all the teams he's going to go up against. And then we got Joe Flacco, a former Super Bowl winner, and of all those players, you're picking Jalen Hurts.
1: Yeah, because he hasn't shown an ability to lose the ball at the phenomenal rate that uh, <laughs> Jones has. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, Daniel Jones may develop into a really good quarterback, but boy, uh, he's just been a turnover machine. And I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Um, Jason Garrett certainly didn't work any magic touch in developing a quarterback with him last year. Maybe this year it'll come along faster, but I just, at at least with, with hurts, you still got some unknown territory you can hope is going to be good. If you want to see good quarterback play there, which I obviously don't, but I just, uh, you know, it's really hard to say. And then Ryan Fitzpatrick, I mean, He's a guy that's going to be pretty scary about four or five times a year. And the rest, he's going to just, you know, be a mess. So, you know, it's with him, it's just a, you know, a, a roll of the dice. Are you catching him on one of those few good games? Or are you getting the, the typical uh, Fitzpatrick, you know, what the heck was that? You know, <laughs> throwing mm-hmm. throw deep balls, you know, way out of bounds or just way over everybody's head or whatever. So it's
0: either Fitz magic or Fitz mayhem.
1: Yes. One or the other. And mostly it's mayhem. So I, I was looking at some of that stuff. I mean, wow. I mean, you got, you know, Taylor Heineke is Fitzpatrick's number two projected at the moment. Um, you Was know, Joe Flacco. He back actually that made...
0: conversation at all, or are we done with Joe Flacco as a competent starter in the NFL? Are
1: you seriously asking that? Are you serious? Yes, I'm Not done serious, with Joe Flacco. <laughs> but I want to hear you say
0: it. I totally agree with you. Joe Flacco, <laughs> done. You can put him out to pasture. Uh, he's got nothing left. Not in today's game. He's too much of a statue back there, a tall one at that. But he's too much of a yeah. statue. He's too immobile. I would say in. I know it's a bit of an unfair way to couch it because I did ask you specifically about who the the most talented quarterback is, the number two quarterback. But I might say I fear Ryan Fitzpatrick the most, and it's probably due in large part to the surrounding cast around him. Whereas Fitzpatrick, and even the case could be made for Daniel Jones, will have players to throw to, right? The signing of Kenny, Kenny Galladay comes to mind. Evan Ingram's going to be available and back. Saquon Barkley's going to be rounding things out there in – uh, in New York, they've got Darius Slayton on the outside. they still got uh, a couple of wideouts that, you know, they added John Ross, a speedster that could do something. And for Washington, people kind of forget that Logan Thomas had a pretty spectacular year as a tight end last season without a lot of yeah. help. Terry McLaurin is a really nice player who had a 1,000-yard season a year ago. And they added Curtis Samuel. So I, I know it's unfair to say it because I – I, I asked you specifically about the next best quarterback, but I think I fear Fitzmagic or Fitzmayhem the most because of what he could potentially do with the supporting cast around him.
1: Well, actually, you came up with another answer to why the football team is is a problem, uh, mm-hmm. even if Fitzpatrick isn't really that dangerous a quarterback. And that's that they may be looking to build on the old Baltimore Ravens, Joe Flacco mode, where they just, you know, go out and like wire a shot collar to Fitzpatrick. So he doesn't make too many bad plays and zap him. So he Mm -hmm. gets away from that because not only are there a lot of weapons around him that can help him make something out of the offense, they've got a dang good defense out there. So the team to me is the one that right now I'm more most worried about. Um, I'm, you know, I I just think the giants are another year or two away from uh, developing into anything. And I I just, I think that Philadelphia just has to take a, you know, rebuilding year to get themselves together with the new head coach and everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah. With Ron Rivera leading the ship, leading the the, the cause there in Washington, yeah, they're, they're the most troublesome team. Uh, and it's going to be despite of the quarterback rather than because of him.
0: Okay, that's fair. Well, I would say, you know, the upside of Jalen Hurts is still, still there, I believe. But he's got some accuracy <laughs> issues. In today's game, yeah. with the lack of weaponry that he has, you know, I don't know if you switched him out with Fitzpatrick in Washington, if he would make that team more dangerous or not, certainly he would make them more unpredictable, I believe. Um, Give him a better future. I I
1: said give him a better future, I think, as he comes along. No, you're probably right about that. Well, I think he's got more growth potential than than, uh, Daniel Jones at the moment. Now, could be wrong. yeah, And it's all colored by the fact that uh, as soon as the the Eagles drafted him in 2020, I was right there with the, wow, the Eagles just drafted their starting quarterback of the future. Um, That's a tongue-in-cheek bit. Yeah, it was a little bit, but I I felt that Wentz wasn't going to last much longer. He just wound up flaming out a lot quicker than I expected. Man. Well, there is
0: that. Well, speaking of the NFL draft, we've got that coming up. We had the Cowboys visiting some uh, yes. pro days here this week. They got to see Patrick Sertan of Alabama fame, thinking about maybe reuniting him with former teammate Trayvon Diggs, who obviously would have a lot of Cowboys fans excited if he was available there at 10, I believe. Uh, had a great 40-time, top you know 90th percentile in almost every measurable there. Uh, In addition to that, the Cowboys are reportedly going to meet with J.C. Horn, the cornerback of South Carolina, very talented as well, same type of physical skills, not quite the pedigree that Sertan has, but I think if he was available there at 10, the Cowboys may be considering him. And then, of course, we got Caleb Farley, who news came out he needed back surgery, would not be available until, until July. To me, that kicks him off of the top 10 discussion.
1: Yeah, the and by sure. the way, they 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 did meet did go to Horn's pro day. They both had their pro days, and the measurables were just neck and neck. Uh, Horn actually may have had slightly better. He was a little bit faster on the forty. Uh, I think he had a little bit better on the broad jump and and some of the other measurables. But both of them tested way up in the ninetieth percentile or around the ninetieth percentile uh, for everything. So. Yeah. I think that they're going to be a case possibly of what they call their, their names are going to be touching on the Dallas draft board.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So if, if one of them goes, I don't think they would mind if the other one wound up being who they, they saw as their best player. Of course, we don't know for sure what, how that's going to fall out because you never know how it's going to play out. Um, with so many quarterbacks looking to go in the, the go ahead of Dallas, you know, a minimum of three, most people are saying four could be gone, and there's a few people who are saying Dallas that number ten spot might be valuable because somebody might want to come up there to get uh you know Mac Jones out of Alabama or mm-hmm. somebody because they've fallen in love with him. So, you know, you've always got the trade back, but there's no telling who might wind up falling down to them. Uh, you know, what if Slater is there? You know, the uh, Rayshon Slater uh, mm-hmm. uh, played played tackle. Who, you know, the I love the idea of of drafting him, drafting him, making him your starting left guard, which would be a demotion for Connor Williams, but a great depth of the think, position now. Yeah, uh, and you have Slater there uh, who's going to be your left tackle in waiting while he's playing left guard. And um, provides I'm, you some know.
0: stability immediately, right? I mean, he may not be in waiting based on Tyron Smith's injury history. Uh, he He's guaranteed to play their three games at least based on the last five seasons in which Tyron Smith <laughs> – failed to play more than 13 games in a single year. So I would be okay with Slater as well. One thing, though, I do want to shake Cowboys on, just Cowboys fans on just a little bit, right? And I want to get excited about it, too. I understand it. He is a generational talent, offensive weapon, unlike anybody we've ever seen come through here in a while. But if you're hanging your hat on the idea that Kyle Pitts is going to be there in 2021 at number 10, like CeeDee Lamb was there at 17 a year ago, I think you can forget about that pipe dream. Unless six teams in front of them are all dumb enough to think there's a better offensive player out there who's not a quarterback than Kyle Pitts, who not only grades out amongst the best wide receivers in the class but also has the ability to block exceptionally well, I would say I will take your wagers 10 times out of 10. Find me on you, Twitter at rw3 and bet me that Kyle Pitts will not be available at 10 and I will be more than happy to take all comers because that will. interesting no yeah, I was going to say,
1: interesting, interesting Freudian slip you just made. You said he graded out better than wide receivers. And, you know, everybody knows he's a tight end. But there are people that says he may wind up playing some wide receiver in the NFL because he's that good. And, you know, if you're looking for a big target who can also get out there and get open under just about any conditions, yeah. Uh, Well, let's talk about
0: value too real quick, right? Um, The most underpaid, underappreciated position right now in terms of franchise tags and salaries is the tight end position. And one could argue in a game that's trending more towards these pass-happy attacks and defenses that are taking – you know, their third linebacker off the field so they can get a quicker guy in the middle to be able to match up against that slot receiver. You know, you don't have an answer in that scenario if you line up with two tight ends and one of them is Kyle Pitts and then you have a slot receiver to go along with him. You you cannot essentially counteract that in a double team standpoint. And I think that would create arguably one of the best and biggest mismatches in, in all of 2021. So that's why I feel like I, I know I just compared him to a wide receiver and that I know I shouldn't necessarily think of him that way because as long as he's kept it tight end, that'll be the best value for him. But there's just no way in my mind that six teams or potentially, you know, three or four teams that may be an offensive player. That's not a quarterback. There's no way that they wouldn't be considering him as potentially their best bet, and really the Eagles being one of them.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, we might wind up getting to see that twice a year, how it works out, too, which is Mm -hmm. not something I'm fond of the idea, but if you look at how the draft could shake out, that's a very logical landing place for him. So, if I had the cornerbacks on the
0: table, if Pitts is gone, and – there's Sertan or Horn. Who are you going with?
1: I just, everything I've heard about Sertan is that he is just so smooth and does such a great job covering people. And then he showed that he's actually faster than a lot of people. The knock was people thought, well, he's really not that fast. Well, yeah, he turned out to be pretty dang fast. Um, I think I would have to go with with him with Sertain.
0: I think I would, too, uh, coming from the Alabama pedigree. And it's not like Horn didn't play plenty of the same types of players, right? Probably yeah. saw better wide receivers since he had to match up against those Alabama wide receivers <laughs> on a regular basis. But – I do think Sertain number one cornerback for a reason. Uh, I think with Farley's injury, that's pretty much solidified. And so, if you can get them him there at ten, you got to be feeling good about that. If Horn is available, I think they consider it. But ideally, would you want to see the Cowboys stay in that spot, or would you want them to trade down? I would still be in the position of wanting to, them to trade down, although I admit. I'm kind of always in that position. If you're outside the top five, I think the value is there to to trade down and try to pick up another starting pick there in the second round uh, with the value of, of that pick, according to Jimmy Johnson's little chart. Yeah.
1: I would say um, as long as it's not too far back. If it's somebody outside of the top 20, I don't want to talk about it. I don't go back into the bottom third or lower of the draft, but if it I was, agree
0: 16, 17 range, 18 range, is about where yeah. I feel good at.
1: Yeah. New England decided they had to have a quarterback and came calling. I'd be on the phone talking to them. They're at 15. All right. Well, I'm down to have that
0: conversation, sir. Well, we will continue to get into more draft stuff. Uh, as we get closer to the NFL draft, of course, We got our blog in the boys' podcast network covering all the angles for you, and we'll have plenty more for you here on Riled Up. But for Tom Ryle, I'm Roy White. Another episode in the books on a Thursday. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. We out.